This episode is brought to you by Osprey. Tired of your tattered old climbing pack? It's time you met the Zealot from Osprey. Osprey was born at the foot of the Sierras and came of age in the ranges, deserts, and canyons around Cortez, Colorado. And ever since, they've been elevating adventure through innovative pack design along the way. When it comes to climbing, their Zealot series is purpose-built and athlete-tested with ballistic nylon to defy years of dirtbagging. Their Zealot 40 is a proper crag bag, made with the same attention to detail and carrying comfort that Osprey is known for. And their Zealot 30 is made for your days that take you from work to the gym, using dual compartments to keep your everyday carrying and climbing gear separate. The Zealot is available online at osprey.com or at your local retailer. Hey everyone, Tommy Caldwell here. You know, everyone, at least in the climbing world these days, is trying to figure out ways to live more intentionally, to live a less impactful life. And one of the best things we as climbers can do to make that happen is to support and buy things from the companies that are doing the same thing, the companies that are figuring out ways to lower their carbon footprint, lower their chemical usage, make their products out of recycled materials, make products that just don't wear out. And, you know, the only company that's doing that well in the ropes and hardware space is Edelrid. They've been innovating the best products for over 100 years. They invented the sit harness. These days they make unquestionably the most high quality ropes, the lightest weight carabiners. And really, they're just awesome all around. So check them out at www.climbgreen.com. Welcome to the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast from the Climbing Zine. I am Luke Mihal, and this is episode six of season five, The Roots of the Zine. This is another conversation that I recorded for another podcast, my friend Brian Acoin, who um, is the uh, head of Sticker Art, and he did a couple episodes of this podcast, so what do you like to do podcast, and I think it's one of those things that he did a couple, and then he kind of realized He had enough going on with his own business and his family, but I really enjoyed doing it and I want to share it. And I think it's a good compliment to the podcast I did with the run out, keeping the zine alive. And with the run out, there was a lot of, you know, nitty gritty about print media and and all that. And this one I think shows more, I don't want to say randomness, just the coincidental things that happened to me that led me on the path of the zine. I think this will be good for our younger listeners because it, it kind of goes into just my path that is also pretty random of getting out to Colorado and finding my place. I think I probably just started therapy, talk therapy when I, when I did this and I uh, didn't really allude to that or anything, but a lot of the things that I talk with my therapist about are the traumatic things that happened to me when I was in my younger 20s, when I was going through depression and as you'll listen to on a cocktail of substances. And so 20 plus years later, I'm still kind of figuring that stuff out and how it affects me and everything. But I think this will provide some insight to some people and I hope you guys enjoy it. If you are curious about more of my early kind of tales and um, my journey in climbing, it's intertwined with mental health and it's also intertwined with creating the zine and writing and everything. You can listen to me read my book, American Climber, uh, as part of season one. And you can also pick up American Climber in our store climbingzine.com will lead you there or you can just google climbing zine store that's enough of me on the intro hope you all enjoy this episode i really enjoyed creating it with bryant 
and check out his stuff too at uh, stickerart.com. He's got some of the coolest stickers around. This episode of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast is sponsored by Kilter. Looking for a fun way to train at home or at the gym? Check out the Kilter board. The Kilter board has innovative light-up holds, a progressive app with animated functions, climbs for all abilities, and two layouts to choose from with large international online communities for each. There are over 66,000 problems in the original Kilter board layout, and the newer homeboard layout comes with over 6,300 problems. You can set, tick climbs, make shareable playlists, watch send videos for motivation and beta, and even add your own videos to share with other users. The new map feature helps you find and connect to Kilter boards nearest you. Kilter has multiple wall sizes and package options available, so we can help you get a Kilter board in almost any space. Check out Kilter at settercloset.com and look for more information in our show notes. This episode is also sponsored by Scarpa. Scarpa's approach to climbing shoe design mirrors their approach to the pursuit of climbing itself. They strive to evolve and incorporate new ideas and techniques every step of the way. They refine their strengths, train their weaknesses, and build on each success. Scarpa has been bolstering its climbing shoe foundations by continuing to create versatile, high-quality designs that satisfy the needs of climbers across a range of disciplines and skill levels. For more information, visit scarpa.com and look for a link in our show notes. Today I'm going to tell you about Luke Mihal. He is a great friend of mine, someone I've trusted with my life on the end of a rope many of times. He gives back to the community in ways that are inspiring. He gets outside more than most people I know and does all this while growing a business where others in his same industry are closing their doors left and right. Uh, my name is Luke Mihal. I'm 43 years old. And I am a passionate climber and I love the outdoors and the community that surrounds it. So before we get started, I want to jump in and clarify something so there's no false pretenses. Luke is single. He has no kids and lives in a small condo. Those choices, which he has made very, very deliberately, made a lot of this lifestyle possible. I just want to clarify that before we get started so that there are no unmet expectations to what you're about to hear. So I am the publisher of The Climbing Zine, and I host uh, the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast, and I also am the author of um, several books. So The Climbing Zine First of all, it's my baby, so it's my it's my life's work, and it's a print publication that tells creative climbing stories. It has poetry and um, photography and art, and the main thing about these stories are it's not the objective, it's not how hard it is, it's about how you write the story. Before Luke managed to open this business and start the climbing zine, he sort of stumbled upon certain positive influences in his life that changed his trajectory ever so slightly. These are moments that we've all had or all will have, the ones that you realize only afterwards just how important they were. 
In Luke's case, as he puts it, one of these random fateful moments likely saved his life and pushed him to where he's at today. Yeah, I, I think first it was like, you know, that high school thing where you're figuring out who you are, you know? Like at first I kind of thought I was a jock and then I, like, I wasn't good enough. And a lot of climbers have this story. I wasn't good enough to make like the soccer team or the basketball team. Um, so he, I went, you know, I, 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 I grew up in a college town and so I'm working in restaurants and there's people that like work at the college and they're kind of like ended deadhead culture and they're getting me psilocybin and like things like that. And um, so it was more like looking for an identity at that time period. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily like filling a void, but I think it was like that teenager in America, like who am I? And once I was exposed to like the Grateful Dead and, um, and cannabis and psilocybin, I was like, ooh, this is really fun and really interesting. And, and I, I think I got lost in it in a way, but I don't think I was like trying to fill a void. I think it was just like, um, still trying to find like that teenage identity, you know? Yeah. So one of my kind of like, um, hippie friends in high school had also done some climbing. And then there was a, uh, a climbing gym that used to be one of the biggest in the world in the nineties in my hometown, like literally 10 minutes from where I'm from in normal Illinois, there's this huge climbing gym. And so it was just kind of like a small miracle, you know, um, that I had met a climber who was also a hippie. That random friendship with a hippie that also happened to be a climber lit a little ember inside of Luke for a passion of the outdoors that has lasted the rest of his life. But as it's often the case, things had to get worse before they got better. He failed at a college in the Midwest, started getting way deeper into jam band culture, and then he just took off. Um, so yeah, dark point in my life was, I think what a lot of young, um, people go through kind of an existential crisis combined with depression, combined with, um, massive amounts of kind of substances and, and not having exercise. Like I'm a person that needs exercise, um, all the time. So, um, yeah. And I was on like medication for ADD, smoking a lot of cigarettes and then doing the normal like college things. But for me, this like cocktail of substances really made me combine with like an existential young crisis. Like, what do I do with my life? That, that just kind of, yeah, triggered kind of like a mental health episode basically of, of dark, like a lot of just like dark, like a dark time period. Yeah. I actually just took off. I was so bad. I, I, I took off from home and didn't tell anyone where I was for like three weeks and was fall I was like trying to find this girl who was like on fish tour and this is like all before self like a cell phone would have like definitely like it but I put my family through a, a, a hell you know and I was in a hell but I, yeah I was like out out east looking for this girl on fish tour and then I ran into some people that said they knew where she was and they said she was on widespread panic tour so I went from fish tour to widespread panic tour and then I kind of like had I think a moment of clarity where it's like what, you know, what is this? Like, why am I trying to search for this girl? This is dumb. And then by then I was in Arizona and I hadn't got back in touch with my family. And they're, they're like, you know, you, you should, if you like it out there, you should stay out there and, and find an institution to go to finish your college up. So, um, I looked at places in Arizona, Utah and Colorado, and it was gonna send like Utah seemed a little weird. I sent something <laughs> and then, uh, Arizona was great, but it was like Flagstaff. It was like either Flagstaff or Gunnison were my two 
ones that really appealed to me and in gunnison was just like and granted it was summertime so i didn't even know like the the, uh, the depths of the gunnison winters but i i just felt something special about gunnison and in, in, in 1999 and and I was like, all right, I'm going to enroll. I, I got accepted. Luke went through one of those there. times in your life when you start to figure out more who you aren't than who you are. And he ended up coming out the other end of that better off. That ember, which was sparked by his hippie climber friend, it started to take light once he landed in Gunnison. His love for climbing and the community that surrounds it grew quickly. And as it turns out, Yet again, another random hippie dude was about to give him the business idea which would set him off on the journey to start the climbing zine. I was kind of avidly publishing in print publications um, in that early 2000s era. And I had a friend that just came up to me one day at a party and he's like, his name was Hetty Eddie. And he's like, hey bro, have you ever heard of zines? He's like, you should totally do a zine. And I was like, okay, Hetty Eddie, you know? And it just like planted the seed. And then a year later, um, and I had also dishwashed a lot of times um, for my living. I was kind of, I called myself a Zen dishwasher. And like, I was like, you know, just like really good at washing dishes. And that was my thing in the restaurant. So I didn't have to deal with any customers. Um, but I, I lived in Salt Lake City one winter um, after I was. Uh, after I graduated college and I learned that there was a zine library there that featured all these zines. And then I learned that there was a guy named Pete Jordan who had a zine called Dishwasher. And he had a circulation of like five to 10,000. And all he did was write about washing dishes. He was trying to wash dishes in every state in the United States. And so of all the zines I saw, you know, most zines are like skate and punk rock, hipster, like super like abstract and into me kind of like meaningless weird punk rock culture that i just don't get but i love the format and then i love the dishwasher thing so i started my own zine um the name came from a co-worker of mine he's like i thought of this thing when i was tripping that was moonlight dream chasers <laughs> and so we titled it moonlight dream chasers the buildering issue and the place the vegan restaurant i was working at sage's cafe gave me 200 dollars to print it the guy at kinko's like helped me work through all the layout and stuff this guy at kinko i was like at kinko's for hours this random employee helped me put it together and i printed a hundred and um sold them for two dollars at the restaurant or just gave mostly gave them to people um, so I did that zine and then I did another zine in Gunnison. Um, it was like a Gunnison, Colorado stories. And then after that, people were sending me climbing stories and I was like, I'll do one climbing zine stapled together, black and white thing, and it'll be fun. And so I did that. And then I, uh, this is kind of in the, at the end of the last recession, my job got cut to half time, and then I ultimately quit. And then I had about a year of, of what some people refer to as like fun employment. You know, I was like unemployed and semi houseless, but I was also like house sitting in this really nice house and I moved to Durango and I was just bopping around kind of like living the good, you know, the good dirtbag life. Um, and then I did a second climbing zine and I did a third climbing zine. And then my friends were, and Bryant has played this role in my life as well. My friends were like, dude, you need to get this climbing zine thing together. Like you need to do color photos, like up it. And so I basically took my entire retirement that I had had from that job I had and, and funneled the, 
whatever the, I don't even remember the name of the type of retirement plan, but I, I liquidated it all and put it all into the climbing zine. And then, um, you know, kind of fast forward a few years, it's like what I, you know, earn my living doing. And, um, it's still like the backbone of my business. And, um, I think it's something it's, it's the last, the last print, widely distributed print rock climbing publication left in the United States. Slowly, Luke grew the zine, which, by the way, a zine is just like a magazine, except it's smaller, about the size of a journal, so it's more portable. He went from being a hippie to a dirtbag climber, climbing as much as possible while working as little as possible, and he generally still abides by that ethos today. He has dedicated his life to climbing and the climbing zine, which has around 2,000 subscribers, 24 issues, is sponsored by companies like Patagonia and Osprey. All this to say, he is still not what someone from a big city would probably consider to be successful. I asked him about this and those trade-offs he's had to make in order to live this lifestyle and what it says about him. Yeah. And, and for me at this point, it's not a trade-off or sacrifice. It's just like the lifestyle I want to live. Cause I also do. And I think both of us do, um, strive for in some ways, a normal middle-class lifestyle. Like, you know, we want a car, we want a roof over our head. We want to be comfortable. Um, but cause I also don't think I would have been successful in the Midwest. I think I would have been unhappy and miserable. And so I don't think I would have had that like six figure salary, um, you know, house on a picket fence, 2.5 kids. Like, I don't think that would have happened to me. I honestly, like I always say, I'd be dead or in jail if I stayed in the Midwest. Um, and, and I really feel like that. Um, but w during the climbing, during the dirtbag days, there were some major trade-offs because especially when I was washing dishes <laughs> and, and then living in a truck. And so it's like, I was pretty dirty and gross. And like, um, it was just like kind of a, that's why they, People, dirt bags usually actually like really be stinky and like kind of, you know, <laughs> literally dirty. Um, so there were major trade-offs, I think, in, in that time period. And now, I mean, I think, you know, we do make trade-offs to live in Durango. You know, like my condo, I would prefer to live in a bigger house. I know both of us probably feel that way. Like we live in an expensive community, um, but we live here for the access to what we have access to. Um, but as far as like the Midwest versus um, here conversation, I really just, I don't think that like typical lifestyle, I, I don't think I would have just failed, I think at, in those realms. So it's like, I'm actually, I think more successful being in an environment um, where I'm actually happy and, and my mental health is good and, and all these different kind of things. You know? There's this like the highest, you know, kind of resource we have, I guess, is, is nature. And, um, I think the more time you spend in that, the more time you realize that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you asked me to come up with some lyrics and yeah. there's this, uh, this one that was like, I want to make, I want to start a nonprofit and I want to make nonstop profit. And it's like, that's kind of the, where I'm at is like, I, I have a business it's like, I'm using resources. I have a car, like I'm contributing to global warming and everything, but it's like, all right, I want to have my little business, but then I also want to have a nonprofit where I, I give back to society and, and, and try to like, just do, do something to, to make it like slightly better. 
Our society and our little community in Durango, I think is a lot better off because Luke is around. He gives back as much as anyone I know. When he's not climbing or running a business, he helps to raise money through local events for nonprofits that rebuild trails. He's often the one out there also rebuilding the trails, retro building climbs, which means to make them safer. This is not easy volunteer work. He's out there working his tail off to make the community better. He's actively establishing new routes that will benefit the public for generations to come without ever actually being recognized really or caring who knows. He does this for his own mental health and for the good of the community. The zine itself is a reflection of Luke's love for his community and the immense value he puts on nature. It is 100 pages long usually, with beautiful pictures and poetry and stories that rather than focusing on how hard or technical a climb is, they're more about people's experiences and the friendships that grow during those intense moments. What's the name of your website and where can people reach you? Climbingzine.com, The Climbing Zine on Instagram. Don't do much other social media. Um, Luke at climbingzine.com if you want to email me. Um, Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. We got a YouTube channel. Yeah. Sick. Anything else you want to say? Um, thank you. And, and I feel like this is a really interesting formula with you two kind of teaming up. Your questions were a little, <laughs> a little intense. A little, challenging um but i think i think bubba's perspective um is really great and, and that was the what do you like to do podcast my name is brian to coin my partner in all this is bubba the other guy that luke mentioned he's out in washington dc and i'm here in durango colorado through our completely different paths in life we hope to bring you a podcast that can reach a wider audience one that we haven't seen before that's a bit more approachable than your typical entrepreneurial pod we'll be interviewing people that usually fly under the radar who are interested in building a small business but not sacrificing their entire life to get there we hope to land at that crossroads between showing you someone who has a really strong love for the outdoors, but also a drive to create a successful business. If you know anyone who owns a small business and has a strong love for the outdoors, and even better, has a unique story about how they got there, please email us at what do you like to do podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please come back for more. I hope to see you soon. That was our sixth episode of season five. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that, you can support our podcast on Patreon. We've kind of had a little bit of a lull. We got a good support. Please check that out. Uh, we got links in our show notes, or you can just cruise over to patreon.com and check that out. And we are still doing our Keep the Zine Alive campaign. We're trying to get 2,000 total new subscribers this year. And we just cracked 300, Conrad Anchor gave us a very generous shout out on Instagram and it kind of gave us a little Conrad bump. So thanks to Conrad for that. Yeah. Check out climbingzine.com to get my book, American climber or the desert and check out Brian's business at stickerart.com. They were actually our first original sponsor for season one when we were doing this podcast and just figuring it out. And Bryant is a good friend and also just someone um, he's, he's almost one of the first people I go to with an idea because he's just so good at 
fleshing it out and we both have you know small businesses that we're running kind of bare bones but also have allowed us to have a life of, of freedom and a lot of autonomy music for this episode is by devin dabney we're gonna be releasing a microdose mixtape soon uh, with devin's music and also with production from chris hampton of power company climbing and our digital editor and producer is chad rich signing off from a summer day in durango colorado i'm luke mihal peace